Let's go to 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter today. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to continue a series of messages we've been on for the last month or so. title of this teaching is Completing Your Course. Completing Your Course. Of course, if you're going to complete it, first you have to start it, and then you have to continue with it, and then hopefully complete it. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Paul writes here, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved His appearing. All right, now we've grabbed this phrase out of this uh, text here, uh, where, where Paul said, I have finished the race. Some translations use the word course there. And so we call it completing your course. One of the things we've been discussing in recent weeks is this, that we should make ourselves usable to God. It's possible to complete your life without completing your course. It's possible to be saved, to be in the family of God, but yet because of choices we make, because of things we tie ourselves up with, we are basically unusable as far as God's plan is concerned. All right, And so we want to rid ourselves and strip ourselves of everything that would hinder and hold us back and get ourselves into a position where we can run. Come on. Yeah, we don't want to be like the, the, the sprinter uh, running with a coat on. Right? Uh, well, it's going to slow you down, running in, your, running in your cowboy boots or something. You know, trying to, trying to r- r- run the hundred. Uh, well, that's just not going to work. You've got to have the proper attire. You've got to have a proper mindset. You've got to be in a position where you can do your best and excel. And likewise, it is with the kingdom of God. There are certain things we can do in our lives to prepare ourselves, equip ourselves to fulfill God's plan and to complete our course. And so we, we should all understand this, that God has a history of using people who are not altogether uh, at par, if, you would, if I could say it that way, in all areas of life. You know what I mean by that? I mean, they've, they've blown it, they've made mistakes, they've fallen down a few times or more, and yet God was still able to bring them back up. And we, I mean, we, when you study the Scripture, you read about people like David. Uh, David was a king of Israel, and he was a great king. He's still noted today as one of the most outstanding men of faith in, in history. But yet there was a time in his life where he had a moral failure. Well, he, I mean, he blew it big time. Uh, it, it was a major fallout. But, but here's the thing. He was open to God. He was available to the Lord. He was open to change. And God worked with him and, and made him a very uh, special person. And, and God used him tremendously. We read about individuals like, like Gideon. There was a guy in the Old Testament named, named Gideon. And uh, he, I don't know if he knows about the Bible company. Or, but, uh, you know, that puts... Uh, see, Gideon started putting Bibles in the hotels, right? Now, actually, Gideon, but he was from a place... His family was not real impressive. Uh, in, you know, when the Lord appeared to him through that angel, uh, he declared about himself that he was the least among his own family, basically questioning God's choice 
God's ability to do anything special with his life. But yet when he became available, he put his trust in the Lord. God did something tremendous through him and delivered Israel from their enemies. And, and likewise, you come into, I mean, there, there are so many examples, of course, we can't use them all, but even in the New Testament, Peter, one of the apostles, one of the disciples of the Lord Jesus, right before Jesus' crucifixion, you remember what Peter did? He denied the Lord. I mean, he said, I don't even know him, Didn't, denied him three times. It was prophesied to him shortly before he did it, and he said, I'd never do that, and he did it anyway. I mean, talk about the guilt that you're going to feel after that. I even had a personal prophecy, and, and, and I still did it anyway. And, uh, but how many know what happened with Peter in the end? He got filled with the Holy Ghost. He came back. He became a pillar in the church, all right, mightily used of God. And so I'm confident in this, that no matter what our past has been, no matter where we have fallen, where we've missed it before, that God is able, if we'll be available, He's able to bring us back and to lift us up and to do something special with our lives. Do you believe that's so concerning you? Come on now, I tell you what, He really is. One of the things all these people had in common was this. They were available to God. They were available. They weren't so tied up, so busy, so involved in their business, in their life, in their plan, that that God didn't have any place to fit in. Uh, They were available. You know, you think about that word, it basically means able to be used or obtained. Uh, Available means at someone's disposal. You know, we think of a person being available in the, in the relational sense. How many know that means well, they're not in a relationship? They're not married. They're not, they're not in a relationship with someone else. And so, you know, sometimes in the single life, people were looking to see if someone's available, right? And, uh, you know, sometimes you, you look at the finger and, and you see if there's a ring around the, 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 that, whatever that one's called, the ring finger. <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, if you're single and you see someone that's, you know, attractive to you and you're trying to find out, are they available? You might look at the hand, see if they're married or see if there's someone else extra close to them or, uh, or, or something like that. Uh, but what does that mean? Well, if you notice that they're not available, you know this is going no further. My interest in this person stops right here. I can't go any further with it because they're not available to me. Their relationship with me is what it is, and that's all that it's going to be. Okay. Likewise, it is in the kingdom of God. There are some people that are available to the Lord, and there are some people, uh, this relationship's not going any further. It just is what it is because they're tied up. They're too committed to their plan, their life, their agenda, their, their busyness, their whatever they've got going on. And so God can see. God can see whether we're available or not. He can see whether He should call upon us. He should deal with us to do something because we might even be wearing it outwardly and openly. Don't ask me. <laughs> I'm busy. I've got a job. I've got a family. I've got this. I've got, I've got these things to deal with. And so I'm unavailable. And I think if we ask the question, present it that way, none of us who are in a relationship with God really want to be that way. We don't want to say to God, uh, you're going to need to ask somebody else because I'm busy. But yet, sometimes the reality is there. I mean, it might even be, you know, uh, go back to the relational illustration, you know, a single person might look and see someone else and they might not have a ring on or have someone else in their relationship, but when they see you looking at them, 
their body language says to you real clear, I'm not available. <laughs> right? In other words, there's ways of communicating to that person, go away, or this is not the deal here. Right? I think, I wonder if sometimes we do that in the family of God, where we're basically saying, I'm not available. I'm going to serve God on my terms, on my schedule, on, you know, with the amount of time that I have. And anything beyond that, someone else is going to need to do that. See, see, but what about our course? What about the plan of God? What about the will of God? What about His desire to use us in various areas, areas of life? This is what we need to remember. Okay, now, it doesn't mean if we're available to God that we don't need to be schooled, coached, you know, helped, discipled. Don't, doesn't mean, mean we, doesn't mean we don't need to up our game. I know personally the Lord is still working on me. I'm a work in progress. I'm being used by God. But my usability factor, I, I, I hope this is my desire that it's going up. That I'm being used, I can be used more of God in the future than I am today just because of the things that I have, the things that I know, my, my, the knowledge and, and my, of course my willingness to do that. But the question for you would be, are you available? Alright, now how many today are available? Come on, anyone available today? All right. Anybody available for, for God though? <laughs> I wasn't talking about relationships, I, I, all you looking for is... You didn't lift your hand, did you? (laughs) And see, we need to be available to God. Let's look over at uh, Luke chapter 9. Luke, the ninth chapter. Jesus had some things to say about these subjects, and sometimes some very strong words. I find find that Jesus was very matter-of-fact with some things, very merciful and gracious, but also he drew a line and said, this is how this works. And in, in Luke chapter 9, we can read about some things that he said here. And, and I, I remember years ago in church, we were having a service. And it's just a, just a really good service. You know, worship, word, all, all that was good. There were healings taking place right in front of people's eyes. And people were shouting, it's gone. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, as far as their pain and their trouble. And it was just a all around good. It was on a Sunday morning, just a real good service. And there was a particular uh, guy there, actually a husband and wife, but this guy came to me afterward, and he was visiting the church. He was already a believer, and he was just overjoyed and uh, just excited about what was going on there. And he's like, finally, he found a church that, you know, things were happening. God was moving, and he was, seemed to be real excited about that and wanted to, wanted to connect and wanted to be a part of that. And, uh, of course, I was welcoming him, him to be a part. But there was something that this particular gentleman didn't realize, and that was all that took place in that service was not all that there was taking place. Like a tree that looks great and is growing. How many know there's a lot of that tree that you don't see? And it took a while to get that, that tree to get to that place. There's a lot of underground stuff. And this individual didn't, I don't think he realized what it took behind the scenes. He didn't realize there was a lot of work and there was a lot of dedication. There was a lot of prayer. There was study. There was a lot of seeking God and years and years put into it. And so when we have a service and everything was just popping and miracles were happening and good things were going on and he's thinking, woo, this is it. I finally found somewhere where God's moving. Yeah, you did. And praise God, glad for you to be a part. But if you really want to be a part and you want to get involved in this and that's what he was seeking, he said, I want to be a part of this. I want to get involved. He didn't realize there was more to it. 
He didn't realize it. And so after a time, so, so he did get involved. And after a short period of time, he realized, oh, you mean like I, if I get involved, I have to show up on time? <laughs> I mean, it was really little simple things like that. You mean you have to like, if I sign up to be a part and help, I have to actually show up when I sign up? And some people were, you know, his relationship with the ministry wasn't really going very well after a period of time. He just wanted the end results. Anyway, something to think about. Jesus had a similar situation here in, in Luke chapter 9. Notice with me verse 57. 957. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. In other words, what's going on? They're seeing the ministry, seeing the teaching, seeing the miracle, seeing all the great things that are happening. And people see it from afar and they say, yeah, I want to do that too. I want to get involved with this. You know, they want to be the roadie kind of person. They want to get out there and, and just, you know, do some kingdom stuff. Notice what Jesus said. Verse 58, Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, what's he telling this guy? Now, Jesus is not telling him, you know, basically I'm homeless, poor, and broke. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, are you sure you want to get involved with this? Do you know what's, what's happening here? He said, I'm on the road. And how many know in his day, you don't pull over and get a, ho- get a room at the Hilton? He's saying, there's days I don't have anywhere to sleep. We're just going from place to place. And uh, this is, there's some sacrifices here. There, you've got to be all in and fully committed if you're going to do this. He's trying to open this guy's up instead of, hey, just a meeting. Let's just do a meeting. Let's just heal the sick and, and do all this stuff. There's a lot of groundwork that takes place behind the scenes. Verse 58, or let's see, verse 59. Uh, then he said to, to another, follow me. But he said, this guy said to the Lord, but Lord, uh, let me first go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and preach the kingdom of God. You see, he's testing their commitment. You see he, what, he, what, he, what he's doing with these people? He's, does Jesus not believe in funerals? <laughs> I don't think that's the overarching message. He, but, but he tells this guy, this is more important than everything else. Verse 61, and another said to him, Lord... I will follow you, but first, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. I'll be back. Give me a minute, Lord. I'm going to go. I need to go say goodbye. But Jesus said to him, knowing no one having put his hand to the plow, looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. He said, you want to go say goodbye? We'll see you. We're, we're going to be out of here when you get back. He said, those are strong words, aren't they? Well, he's letting them know this is what's necessary. This is the heart level commitment. This is the the priority system that needs to be in place in a person who really is going to be used by God and ultimately what we're talking about, the person who's going to complete their course. They've got to set the kingdom of God and the things of God higher uh, and more important than everything else in their life. Take a right turn to Luke 14. Luke Luke the 14th chapter. And uh, let's read over here in verse 16, 14, 16. And he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servants at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. But they, all with one accord, began to make excuses. Everybody say excuses. You've never done that, have you? No, not anyone in this place. Uh, the, The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, 
and I must go see it. I ask you to have me excused. So what's he got going? Dirt. Yeah. He said, I've got dirt. It needs looked at. I've got to look at dirt. I'd love to come to your banquet, come to this big party you're throwing. But right now, I've got dirt to look at. All right. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. All right. So oxen, animals, cattle, they need tested. Sure, this is important in everything. Your banquet, I'm sure it's a fine banquet. And I would love to come. In fact, I hope to catch the next one. Let me know. Keep me on your, your, your email list and next time. But right now, oxen testing. All right, verse 20. Still another said, I have married a wife. Therefore, I cannot come. And of course, you understand that one as well. Because you cannot, if you're married... I mean, certainly if you're married, you cannot be involved with kingdom business, right? Or maybe some might think of it the other way. Well, I'm single. Soon as I'm married, soon as I get married, then... (laughs) I actually remember... Side note here. I actually remember early on in ministry, I uh, I was in the ministry and I was single... And in my mind, I felt like I was somewhat limited being single. And I remember I got married. I remember that. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> Found myself a wife and uh, got married. And we're doing this meeting, doing this, this youth meeting at a camp. And I had a, our guest speaker in. And, uh, and he was ministering, and, and at the end of this, it, you know, he'd ministered different, want, different individuals, and he, he ended up praying for me. I don't know if he prayed for both of us, prayed for me, and he said, all right, no, ex- no more excuses now. <laughs> and he totally read my mail, what I was thinking. I thought, well, yep, that's true. My excuse is out the window. I'm married now. <laughs> anyway, this, per- <laughs> this person said, I got married, so I can't come. The servant reported these things to his master. The master of the house became angry, and he was not pleased with these excuses. He went on and told them where to go and fill the house and, 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 and so forth. But this is the attitude many times of people in our day. You know, another, uh, another uh, account of this is in Matthew 22. And it, it says there, uh, Jesus said, But they made light of it and went their ways one to his farm, another to his business. What did they do? They made light of this event, this invitation, this opportunity to be at this, this party. They made light of that. What did they do? They made their things heavy. And the master, in this case the illustration is God. They made their things heavy and God thing, God's things light. And we need to do just the opposite. If we're really going to be in the right place and complete our course, we've got to make God's things heavy, heavy, ultra important, more, more important and more significant than anything else. And anything we've got going on, light. Anything we're doing, less significant. If I need to choose one or the other, I'm going with the things of God. See, that's the heart, that's the attitude of a person who is usable, of a person who's available. 
If what you do in your life is so important that it can never be interrupted by God, you are unusable to God. Say, oh me. I mean, I mean, amen. But I wonder, uh, you know, in life there's always going to be a reason why someone can't do something. But who's going to rise above that anyway? You know, there are individuals that are, we know this, I'm not pointing any finger. We know in life there are individuals that are just lazy. They're lazy with everything. But there's also a lot of people, they are legitimately busy with life, with work, with family. With, they're legitimately busy in their life. And they're not lying to say, I've got a full schedule. They're not, you know, they're not being deceitful in any way. They do have a full schedule. And they do have a busy life. However, either way, uh, their course is being neglected. And time is ticking away. And we're never going to complete unless we get on with it. We're never going to do what God has for us unless we get going. I've known a number of people over the years who have who've told them, uh, you know, they told me that God told them to do something. Yes, the Lord dealt with me. Yes, the Lord told me. You have even used those words. The Lord told me to do this. But then years later, nothing. You know, remember one individual said, God told me to go to Bible school. I said, great, go. God told you, go. And, uh, you know, I realize there's timing issues, but get the right timing, but go, do it. Years later, I thought God told you to go to Bible school. Well, I just didn't have enough money. Oh, guess God didn't know that. I don't mean to sound harsh in any way, because I, I understand, but listen, you know, you ever heard the, the, slow, the phrase, God's will, God's bill? You know, it's not a scripture, but that's a true principle. It really is. If the Lord leads you to do something, He's going to provide for it. How many know your provision is in your course? In, in completing your course, you're going, to, you're going to run into the right people, have the right connections, the right relationships, the right resources. They're there in God's will. And if the Lord leads us to do something... And we ignore it or we say, I can't. I found out that God frequently likes to do things that way. In this regard, He'll tell you to do something that you can't figure out how you're going to do it. You can't figure out how to work it in the schedule or how to pay for it or, or, or something. Something's the matter with it. <laughs> Something's not clicking with it. But yet He'll lead you to do it anyway. Because how many know when you take that step out of the boat, the water does not look like it's going to hold you up. But when you act on the words of God, you find yourself walking where it's impossible. Amen. And so I would encourage you to say, I'm lacking resources in my life. Are you on the right course? Are you going the right direction? What are you doing for the kingdom of God? Are you, is he using you today? I know that uh, a man of God years ago, uh, Brother uh, Kenneth Hagan, had a one of the times when the Lord Jesus appeared to him and talked to him about his ministry. Basically, he had been in the ministry for like 12 years, and he told him he hadn't even started yet. He said he hadn't even entered the first phase of the ministry that he had called him to. And the Lord went on to tell him concerning uh, those in ministry. He said, many ministers live and die and never get into the first phase of the ministry I have for them. He said, not always, but many times, that's the reason they die young or in middle life 
and don't live their full length of time out. Now, that's interesting. And these are those often who supposedly have committed their life to do the will of God. But many times think they're doing their own plan. They've determined, I want to do something for God, and this is what I can do. And they walk in that narrow path, and they never actually branch out to do the fullness of what God has for them. And so they end up getting cut off early in life. Let's look at at, uh, the book of John, the fifth chapter. John, the fifth chapter. Over here uh, was an interesting situation with Jesus and this guy who was uh, waiting to be healed. Notice with me over here in, in verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem, uh, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water, for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. 38 years. See, that's when Jesus came into the situation. Jesus walked into this place, found this guy, and uh, asked him if he wanted to be healed. And, And he said he made excuses. He wasn't in faith at all. He made excuses and said, I don't have anyone to put me in the water. But think about this guy. Think about the picture of his life. What is he doing? I mean, if you could sum it up, you know, like your life, you might describe yourself, might take a while, might take a few paragraphs or books or I don't know, to describe what you do in life and what you've accomplished. What what about this guy? What's his deal? That's just one word. He's waiting. He's waiting. How long have you been like this? Ah, uh, 30, 38 years. What have you been doing? Well, waiting, waiting, waiting. And I think that unfortunately describes too many Christians. Now, hopefully around here, you might be new and this might be new thought to you. It might be a totally new uh, concept of God. But no one has to wait for their healing at all. I'm waiting on God to heal me. No, you're not. He's waiting on you to recognize what He's already done for you. If that's a bizarre concept to you, we can help you get it right after the service here. Absolutely. You don't have to wait to be healed. Jesus died for you 2,000 years ago. He was striped for your healing. Anyway, so Jesus anyway came in and ministered to this guy. But when it comes to other areas of our lives, how many recognize this? That waiting could be a problem. If you have a word from God to wait, wait. But if you don't have a word from God to wait, giddy up. Everybody listening to me? Okay. There is, a, uh, there, there is something that we need to be doing. Our course is active. We need to be moving forward. What are you waiting for? Sometimes people are waiting for someone to prophesy to them. Prophesy to me. Tell me what the will of God is. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. You know, I remember early on in, when I was preparing for ministry, and uh, I had sensed the call of God, and really I knew that it was there, 
But as I was preparing and getting ready to go in the ministry, I, and I didn't tell people this, but on the inside, I sure wanted someone who didn't know me call me out of a meeting and tell me I was called. <laughs> I just really wanted to be more sure that I was on the right path. I was going in the right direction. And I wish someone would have call, called me out and said, Yeah, yeah, you know, thus saith the Lord, all this. You're ultra, ultra, ultra called and, you know, very, very, very called. And, and, uh, and you're going to do this, this, and this in your life and ministry. And, and it never happened. And don't get me wrong. I was, it's not like I was in a Baptist church where they didn't do that. I'm around spirit-filled circles. Gifts of the Spirit. Ministry gifts. Words of knowledge. Words of wisdom. Power of God, you know, I'm experiencing these things. It's wonderful. And each, each time something like that would happen, wouldn't be me. <laughs> Skip right on over me until I got to a place in my own heart, my own mind, where I was so settled and so certain and knew for, without hesitancy that I was called to the ministry. I was called to teach the Word and be in the ministry, and you couldn't have talked me out of it. And then after, and when I got to that place, it seemed like people came out of the woodwork prophesying to me. <laughs> oh yeah, hey, you're called of God, and you're doing this. It's like, I know that. Go prophesy to someone who needs it. <laughs> yeah, I was thankful, like, thank you very much, thank you very much, but I'm not, on, I'm not teeter-tottering here at all. I've already known what God want, wants me to do. And uh, anyway, when it comes to your life, you might be waiting for someone to prophesy to you, call you out, and tell you exactly what God wants you to do. You know, that may happen. We prophesy around here. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and they're a wonderful thing, and it can be tremendously encouraging and helpful. But but God will deal with you all by yourself. You you know it. You know on the inside, if you walk with God as you fellowship with Him and pray, you know on the inside where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. If you're waiting for God to move in a special way, stop. You don't need to wait for God to move in a special way before you can be used of Him, before you can be useful in His kingdom. Some are just waiting until they're less busy. That don't always work out so well. Some are waiting for more money. Some are waiting for their kids to be older. Some are waiting, waiting. A lot of reasons, and a lot of them are somewhat legitimate. But when you compare them to the value of what we're talking about, the importance of God's kingdom, none of them are legit. None of them. If God's told you to wait, absolutely wait for His timing and for His place. But I tell you what, if you don't have that word from God, giddy up. It's time to get with it. It's time to open your schedule and say, Lord, I'm available. I will move things. I will adjust. I will alter my life and my priorities so that I can be used of you. So I can make a difference in this life and impact someone else for eternity. God uses people. You know, many times He'll use people in very natural situations. Natural things that we think, oh, that's not really God. I mean, I, you know, I heard this story one time about a guy who was out on the ocean and his boat capsized. And he was out there floating around in the water in trouble, about to die. And uh, so, of course, he prays. says, God, help. I'm about to drown here. I need help. And uh, in a little, in a little just, just shortly after that, here comes a boat. And they say, hey, you need some help? He said, no, no, God is saving me. I've already prayed God's saving me. And so the boat left and a helicopter came by and swooping down with a ladder. And they said, hey, you need some help? No, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, God's providing. He's saving me from this. Don't need your help. So he went on to drown and, uh, and, and went to heaven. 
and, and said, said to the Lord, how come you didn't save me? And the Lord said, well, I sent a boat and a helicopter. <laughs> and, uh, and many times, I think in life, we, we look at some of the natural opportunities that come our way, and we sit, we're in, right in the middle of it. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And I'm not saying interpret every opportunity as a God thing, but I am saying this. Someone's saying, Lord, use me. And announcements are made about Bible school, and you say, Lord, what should I do? You know, and opportunities in your local church abound to serve and to, to minister and to help out. And they're everywhere. And someone say, Lord, I just want to do your will. I just want to fulfill your plan. And uh, I think we're sometimes like the guy drowning in the, in the ocean. We're, do, we're going nowhere. Or we're like the, the lame guy at the pool of Bethesda there 38 years ago. Still waiting to find out what God wants me to do. Still waiting on the plan of God, waiting for Him to open up heaven and show me what to do. I, I say a better way to approach this is to get moving, is to get busy, is to say, Lord, I think I could do this. I could help out here. I could be used in this situation. That okay with you? I know a past, of a pastor of a very large church in the United States, and this is not exactly theologically correct as far as what I would say to do. But he pastors a very large church, and as far as his perception of this whole thing, God didn't call him, he volunteered. And I wouldn't say, again, I wouldn't tell someone, oh, just, yeah, if you want to volunteer to start a church, go ahead. Because that usually doesn't work out so well. <laughs> but he was praying, and he said, I really know, I felt like God called me, so I asked, he, he asked another person in ministry, do you think God would mind if I volunteered? And pastors a church of many, many, many thousands today. Now, obviously the call is there. The gifting is there or it wouldn't work out like that. But his heart was this. I just want to do something for God. Can't I just volunteer God? I'll just do whatever you want me to do. And look where God took him. Huh? But that's availability, isn't it? That's someone who say anything, anywhere, anytime. Lord, I'm available to you. Let me give you one more scripture in closing here today. Because I think sometimes we might be able to, you know, deceive is a harsh word, but deceive other people. I don't mean that's necessarily intent, but we can, we can say a lot of things. We can give a lot of excuses to other people and tell them this is why, this is the reason. And none of that really matters. Because ultimately all of us stand open before God. Be real and be honest with yourself. And be honest with God. The scripture says in Hebrews 4, in verse 13, there is no creature hidden from his sight. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Today, your life, my life, is completely open to God. I might as well be completely honest, com completely forthright, and open before him and tell him where I'm at. And if I'm available, I'll let him know. If I'm not, he already knows that. But we've got we've to be real with him. So he can move us to a place. Even if we've come from failure. Even if we've come from uh, many years of idleness. God can move us into a place of usefulness. If we'll be available to him. Amen. Amen. Stand on your feet with me today. We want to take a few moments now to be real with God, to be open with Him, to worship and acknowledge Him, to let Him move us and stir our hearts 
in the, in, unto good things. I'll be back in a few moments, but let's make a connection here right now with the Lord.